0: I'm trying to figure where your microphone is. Is it touching anything? Is like your leg up on the de- like knees up on the desk? Like I usually sit, literally my knees right here. Okay, see, I just heard that. What are you doing? What is that? I
1: literally not doing anything. You put your hands
0: here laughing, like, and I was like, I was like, where's the microphone on your computer oh that's God. doing this all of a sudden?
1: Okay, I actually I think I know. <laughs> I'm wearing leather pants right now. <laughs> I think. every time i'm shifting it's making a shit ton of noise
0: (laughs) i never thought i would ask this would you kindly (laughs) remove your pants
1: yes i will do that real quick okay hi everybody welcome to millwood and micah discovering avatar my name is amanda millwood and i'm a screenwriter actor director and a fan of avatar the last airbender
0: and my name's Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimgard, an anthology of dark fantasy, as well as the Grimgard role playing game. And I had never watched Avatar until now. We've been going through season two of the series, and today we are landing on episode 11 The Desert. These episodes <laughs> are like a big emotional ride. And when I when oh, I yeah. stopped to look at who was writing and directing these at the end of every one, as I'm like wiping my eyes, I mean, like who is responsible for my emotional wreckage right now? I was like, ah, yes, you. That makes sense. <laughs> so, so yeah. So the desert is written by Tim Hedrick. Ah, uh, Tim. Why Timmy do you Timmy. why do you toy with us? He has written uh, a few episodes now in season two and i feel very much like his writing is kind of hot and cold like the episodes that he writes um have both highs and lows to to them but mm-hmm. one thing is the same he likes to kind of play with us like he wrote he wrote the swamp episode and there's a lot of like "Ooh, mm-hmm. what's going on are there ghosts is there something you know and so right. he, he does a lot of a lot of kind of misdirection a little bait and switch in the episodes and yeah Uh, this episode is directed by lauren McMullen, which does not surprise me and i have to point this out (laughs) and i feel like i do every time but the list is growing of like big emotional ang centered episodes and like lauren Mm -hmm. loves expanding emotional range and really pulling out the intensity from him, whether it's the Southern oh, yeah. Air Temple, the Storm. Uh, she even got her chance with, with Zuko in Zuko alone. Um, uh, also in The Deserter, where he is he's uh you know appro- approaching the the master trying to get you know tutoring in, in his bending. Yes yeah. the fire the firebending. Yes where he's trying to get tutoring and firebending um so yeah there's there's a lot of stuff but lauren loves just torturing these characters (laughs) (laughs)
1: she does but she's really good at it
0: (laughs) super good super good and i gotta say i I keep praising uh giancarlo volpe for all of his all his contributions but you know when we need a strong ang episode lauren does not disappoint so very very happy
1: yes good job lauren
0: yeah it's animated by dr movie and the episode aired july 14th 2006 the imdb rating of the desert is a respectable 8.7 out of 10. take Mm -hmm. us away with some fun facts
1: all righty um for our first fun fact although Toph claims to have heard the sandbender say to put a muzzle on Appa this is not actually heard during the time Appa is being taken in the library now with that being said I have been gaslit by this (laughs) my entire life (laughs) because you do hear it just not in this episode we get a flashback to when Appa is taken in a future episode Mm -hmm. actually it's like very near future Um, and you do hear him say that but you don't hear it in this episode, um or not in this episode, but in the library. Right. So, like, I always, I always forget. I'm like, you don't hear him say it, and then I'm like, wait, but he does say it in the other episode. Okay, it's just one of those weird things. That
0: he... Right. I mean, I'm sure when <laughs> okay. I when I get there, I'll know. But do the, it, does he say it like outside of what we saw in the library episode? Are they like further away? Because
1: no that's the thing it's like as they're trying to take him and oppa's fighting back and like he tells the sandbenders to put a muzzle on him to stop him from fighting against them and for some reason i don't know if that was if that line was like put in later or if they just didn't think to put it in the library episode but like yeah it is in a future episode but not in the library I feel um, like that's kind, so of a just... pa- that's
0: kind of a passable sin in the writing, in my opinion, oh, yeah. because I remember uh, during the whole episode, there's lots of like really long shots of like Toph trying to hold the castle and like them or the library and then them tra- dragging up away. And it could have been said out of just the viewer's earshot at any time. And it's fine. But yeah, it is oh, kind yeah, of weird for sure. still to, re- to reference a line that we didn't hear.
1: Yeah. And it's like, you know, in the age of digital remastering things, like when putting it on Netflix, you so, could have so easily taken the sound bite from the pre from the next episodes and then just like insert it wherever in that scene. Like, why not do that?
0: We went through the trouble in Star Wars of adding a close the blast doors stormtrooper to make Open the, the blast
1: doors. <laughs>
0: to make that joke funnier. So like, oh come on, we can do that. Yeah.
1: Um, our second fun fact is that this is the first time, and it certainly won't be the last, that the Order of the White Lotus is mentioned. I don't know if you happen to take any notes on that, but that is very important.
0: <laughs> I thought that the Order of the White Lotus was really cool. Um, I thought it was really funny, Zuko struggling with the entire thing. Um, so <laughs> that was great. Um, but yeah, I, I took a note from you that people and things that are added and introduced in the series they don't do it for nothing so i was paying attention mm-hmm. i'm like well this will be back
1: oh yeah in a very big way <laughs> um uh, our third fun fact is that this is part two of what was originally shown as a one hour avatar movie special the fury of Aang, and i told you this on the last podcast episode i remember. And now, hopefully, you understand why they called it that. Yeah, <laughs> Because, wow, Egg is so angry in this episode. Mm-hmm. But rightfully so. And we'll get to that because yes. that's a big part of it. Um, but uh, our f- our fourth and final fun fact is that although there's a popular myth that cacti store water which can be extracted and drunk, in reality, many cacti are poisonous or contain hallucinogenics. So, <laughs> him, so Sokka, him, Sokka, uh, getting high on cactus juice is not actually that far off <laughs> yes
0: yeah that uh that was definitely like one of the funniest things in the whole episode i just i didn't get tired of it if if Sokka was just high on cactus juice for the mm-hmm. remainder of the series i think i'd be okay with it yes. my my favorite moment was like the ang mushroom cloud and he's just there he's like
1: the mushroom mushroom maybe it's friendly <laughs> literally every line out of his mouth when he's high on cactus juice is is of course a meme in the Avatar fandom but yeah. it's also they're all just hilarious like equally funny um and a big part of it is just the way that Jack it delivers the lines it's just so funny yeah um but uh, yeah so that's the end for our fun facts so take us away like what would did you think of this episode
0: um so i love this episode i i really really enjoy in case you haven't noticed since i mean the prey is of lauren McMullen's direction on this is one thing but i just you know she really makes it happen but the episodes that focus a lot on ang's emotional journey when we get a heavy note whether it's the southern air temple which i think is still my third second or third favorite episode in my in in my high ratings um and i and i also really love the deserter and i love these major story points for ang um, they're so well done. Lauren does them so incredibly well. Um, I I just really enjoy them because they take the character that is so carefree and you know he's the hero, and then they. Peel back the hero armor that's on him all the time, and they show the vulnerability. And yeah, sure, he has character flaws all the time, but having a real, complex, sophisticated struggle inside for Aang is a special treat, and rightfully so, because there's a lot of ground to cover in the series. There's a lot of, you know, Zuko's own journey and his family history, and the Aang's there to pay attention to at the right times. There's bonding moments with katara and sokka and now of course we've got Toph, and there's you know new complexity added to the group dynamic there and when the groups expand it can be harder focusing on just one character and making sure they still have time for their spotlight without having to like Mm -hmm. get rid of the whole rest of the group on some excursion or i don't know bury them in one half of a cave while one or two characters are traveling alone (laughs) in the other half very very convenient we see you we see you How about for you?
1: Um, I like this episode. It is not it's interesting because it's not one of my favorites. It's still it's a very strong episode, I feel like. But it is I think that it's saving grace is the ending, because the ending for me is one of the strongest endings to an episode of Avatar ever. Like it is up there with the finale is one of the best endings. it hits me every time. It's one of my favorite individual scenes from the show. Um, and that's saying a lot. Because there's a lot of fantastic individual scenes. But this one, for some reason, just always gets me. And I know we're skipping basically directly to the well, end. Let
0: me, let me build up to it. Build up to it. With some okay, on, on, the, on the path we take to it. Um, specifically focusing on what is really the centerpiece of the episode. Which is the Fury of Aang. Um, mm-hmm. Because he's lost Appa. And i want to make sure that i pay a lot of attention to it because on the surface it it's like both a big deal but also in a way kind of not a big deal because appa is one part of the group and he's Mm -hmm. not a person but he's also a person in fact he has known him for longer than anybody else that's currently in the group right And yeah, he's there right across the desert and it's vitally critical that they get him or else they'll probably die. And so there's a lot of things, and this is why I say it's a complicated issue, why he's so upset. Because he's upset on behalf of the group. The whole group is put in danger and Aang feels the burden of that with with everything. But also, I think on a very personal level for him, it's not just like, oh, they took my pet. He's not just, this isn't John Wick, you know, you know. Right. It's that appa for aang i think represents the only remaining thing that he has from the southern air temple he, he has mm-hmm. nothing else at all but but have, i'm going to tie this into something from one of the previous episodes in um uh what's the episode name again with where Toph is training him in Dirt oh
1: bitter work
0: bitter work i couldn't think of the word bitter in bitter work that he's, he's also very protective over his glider and he gets real mad not like super mad but he gets kind of miffed when she takes a stick mm-hmm. that's also something that he was brought with him from the southern air temple these little things that are all he has left of that past that for which he carries so much regret and so much you know if only I'd done things differently and they're all gone now and I can't get them back that pain of loss the losing Appa compounds that a lot for him and so it Mm -hmm. really the anger comes in a lot of different ways it's anger at himself it's anger at everyone else it's anger in every direction and all at once there's a, there's a, why didn't Toph come in and help them? It's, why didn't you guys do something? Because he doesn't know where to point that anger. It's everywhere. You know, as, mm-hmm. as Katara winds up in the, in the next episode talking to him about that his anger is just all fully out there and he doesn't know where to aim it. He even angrily collects the water from the cloud. And then when she's like, this isn't much, he just it pointed at her then. Yep. But I'll tell you one thing, though. I was pretty mad too, the whole time. I was feeling it because I'm empathizing with Angus, a character, but also I'm just mad at the sand nomads, the sandbenders, because they just come and find him and steal him. And it's not as if they were like, oh, look at this cool thing, this wild animal, we can probably sell it for money to feed our families. Like, it was, there was nothing benevolent mm-hmm. about it. They literally saw someone struggling and lost in the middle of the desert A little girl mind you and stole her giant exotic creature to leave a 12 year old girl to die in the middle of the desert yep i'm sorry (laughs) they deserve every bit of angus fury they deserve their boats getting broken they deserve every bit of the terror of that moment at the end of the episode yeah sure not good for ang not a great look for him but like they deserved it though
1: oh yeah no absolutely and Um, since we're there now, (laughs) um, I just want to talk about this final scene because this shit has stayed with me forever. Like we've never, and you never will again, see Ang that angry. Like that is the peak of his anger. And like you said, it's completely justified. They have taken the last remaining thing of his culture, his spirit animal guide to, you know, have him be sold off to who knows where for who knows what they could kill him they could you know shed him for his fur who knows um and they
0: they sold it they sold him for drinking money (laughs)
1: literally oh man alpha is ray confirmed
0: they had they (laughs) they they, they have no place in the story they're nobody they're nothing
1: (laughs) oh god um it just all comes out like all this anger that he has been as you said firing on all cylinders towards anybody You know, it doesn't matter who. And for it to suddenly just like be harnessed in this one moment in the Avatar state, um, when he speaks in the Avatar state, and he says, tell me where Appa is. Oh, my God. Every time I get full body chills because it is terrifying. It is like, oh, my God, you guys are fucked. (laughs) Like, get and they and that's the thing. And this is another moment that like really gets me every time. You know when when the air starts picking up and the sand is flying everywhere and Sokka has to grab ta physically grab her and pull her and just say like let's just get out of here run because she's never seen him like do this like Sokka, she Mara, still hasn't
0: seen him like
1: this i know <laughs> sorry no, blind she, joke <laughs> i know it's okay uh if they can do it so can we um but she she can't even comprehend because she can't see because of all the sand what's happening she has no idea what's going on and she has never witnessed ang going full you know what is it called dragon ball z mode um she's
0: ever seen him go super saiyan
1: there you go that's what i was thinking of um yeah and they have they know that this is dangerous they know that he's uncontrollable in this in this emotional state so he just grabs her and runs and Katara, oh my God, my my queen Katara, she is the only one that stays behind and she's the only one that is ever able to pull him out of that state. Mm-hmm. And this hits me really hard specifically because for anybody that doesn't know, I have like autistic meltdowns all the time. Um, not all the time, but when I do, it's like really bad. And like there have been times where I have been so out of control emotionally and so just like physically out of control and I've had to just have family members just hold me, exactly how Katara does yep. to Aang, where he is completely out of control, and it until I can write it out and I can control myself again and you know stop freaking out. Um, That's gonna be rough. It is, and it hits me so hard seeing it because it's like the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and so, and there's nothing in this world that makes me want to tear up more. And like makes me tear up faster than seeing Aang cry for some reason. <laughs> he does a lot of crying this season in particular, because it's just a really rough time for him all around. But especially this shot of him crying as he's just holding on to Katara. And he's just he goes from angry to just sad. Like his expression just drops into well, sadness and, when he and, comes out of
0: And the tears start to form and fall before he comes out of the Avatar state. His eyes are still glowing yeah. with the Avatar state while the tears rim and begin to fall. And I was dying.
1: Yeah. And Katara's crying too. And mm. I was just like, this is just so fucking sad. You
0: start crying, then I'm gonna start crying, and we're never
1: <laughs> gonna get through this. Exactly. Um so yeah it's just the entire last minute of this episode is just phenomenal some of the best stuff emotional stuff from me and all of avatar um and a perfect build up because th- it's built the entire episode is built up to this moment you know he's snapped at people he's been angry he's gone off on his own but it's not until we get to this moment that all this fury is released and yeah. it's you know dangerous and violent um and much like or not much like but um when this is something that always shocks me and i don't know why because it's not really a big deal but it just it gets me um when one of the buzzard wasps they take momo and ang is like chasing after him on his glider and he gets momo free momo's fine like he's not hurt or anything he's flying by ang totally fine and yet ang continues to pursue this one buzzard wasp and he kills it and i'm just like hey you are a pacifist animal loving sweet soft boy what are you doing mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> like it's so unlike his character like for some reason it wouldn't be as bad if it was say a sandbender or a fire nation soldier but because it's an animal and we know he's such an animal lover that's the reason he's going on this rampage it's because his animal has been taken like it just for some reason it hits different <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so. Aang
0: the whole time, is just like, F this cloud, F the sandbenders, <laughs> F this thing in particular. <laughs> just this one right. thing.
1: Literally. And, like, I love to see it because I love seeing a character like ang go through something like this, yeah. this, like, emotional turmoil, um and it actually be, like, warranted. Because other times that he's gotten angry, or, you know, I think of Bato the Water Tribe, like, that doesn't really feel as warranted as something like this does because we know it doesn't, feel, know of his it doesn't
0: connection. feel authentic
1: right um but this is very much how a 12 year old with that kind of power would react if his literal animal companion got stolen and they're in the middle of the desert probably gonna die if they don't get out and it's just like there's a lot
0: happening well into it too you know you say that it's a, uh, is it, it's, it's it's how you'd think an angry you know 12 year old with this kind of power but i would add to it actually a counterpoint that i think what makes his anger so intimidating in this episode is that it really is something that a 12 year old doesn't express which is the the word that's applied to this is when it was a movie which is fury See, because mm-hmm. the the fury goes a little bit beyond just I'm angry about things. There is a level right. of vindicated anger that's sustained. It's not just an outburst. When he sees the sand the uh sandbenders, there is a culmination of you have wronged me and all of us in so many ways that as you say, there's a justification for it. And it is what makes it scary is that is I think that is actually a more mature, more relatable to us as adults when we have all this pent up anger and frustration that reaches back to past hurts and past traumas. And when that gets let out, when that kind of thing gets triggered out of us, it's scary. It's scary because it's scary to see a child expressing that. It, that's what makes it kind of haunting.
1: Mm-hmm. Like you say, yeah, it no, really it...
0: messes us up
1: yeah it's it's really really this is really scary um but i love watching it like that's one of those scenes i will just actively go and look up that one scene from the episode just to rewatch it and get those full body chills when he goes into the avatar state because it's, oh, yeah. it's scary um
0: well no one else too is t- katara the entire time doesn't leave everyone else is running and all her expression mm-hmm. is like is just sadness Yep. Like, she's hurting right along with him and hurting for him. She's just, it's coming out differently, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, I might be looking too much into this, but it might be that she herself has so much pent-up, like, anger and hurt about the death of her own mother that she kind of relates to this, and you'll see this explored in Season 3, but um, she relates to this intense pain and just wanting to get revenge on the people that have hurt her or him you know so it's if you draw parallels to that you know it'll make more sense when we actually get to season three but you know it just makes it that much sadder that she understands this intense pain and you know that's why she's not afraid of it or you know anything like that and oh my god you know Aang is like in this sphere of air and he's being like lifted up into the air there's dust and sand flying everywhere and everyone's running except for Katara and the shot of her reaching up and grabbing his hand and him looking down at her with all that anger in his face. And it just, and you get this like note, this music note, this super sharp jing and you're just like, oh my God. Like he could kill her in this moment. He's so angry, mm-hmm. but she just looks at him with so much sadness and so much like empathy and she just pulls him down and holds him. And it's just like, oh my God
0: you know, we, we, we touched on, we touched on, you know, her feelings and a projection that she's hurting with him and, and hurting in, you know, in her own way that she has this pent up anger, but also to it, I think layered is that throughout the episode, we see her straining to hold everything together. And I want to make sure I emphasize the word hold there, because I think there is a very smart storytelling beat here that she's doing her best where Amy asked her at one point you know what are you doing and she says unless i'm misquoting it i'm trying to hold everyone together or trying to keep or keep everybody together, together. Yeah. but so but she but she is metaphorically trying to hold everyone together but like not in a literal well actually you know what i take it back actually in a literal sense because when they're going to travel across the desert she says everybody grab each other's hands she's literally is trying to yeah. get them to keep each other together physically holding on to each other and by the time that this happens there is this like from her this a reaction i am inferred from her which was aang goes into the avatar state and for her it's just this is exactly where i was hoping we would not have to go but here we are mm-hmm. and so there's this there's this failure on her part to hold everyone together because now that this has happened everyone is fleeing from aang Sokka's is grabbing coffin running off into the desert to protect her and what's she gonna do is she going to split off no she's going to do the only way left she has to keep everyone to hold everyone together and that is to literally hold ang to hold him together
1: Hmm. yeah it's it's really really <laughs> it's rough oh man it's and yeah. i love that shot in particular since we're talking about it of her just like she's like had enough of people just like not taking this situation seriously like mm-hmm. sock is high on you know cactus juice ang's moping Toff can't can't do anything because she can't see and she can't bend and she's running out of water herself and she's just like you know what we're gonna get through this i don't care everyone hold hands we're going like we have to get through this right and just the shot of her holding you know Toph's hand and then Toff holding on to you know, Aang or whatever, yeah. whatever the order is, but we just see them walking in a line and holding each other. And it's just like really, really powerful. It's, all, um, it's
0: also nice in a way, uh, also just a minor thing to mention, but it's also nice in the episode, just nice to see Toph um, in a kind of a state of vulnerability. Where i feel like the whole mm-hmm. ang yelling at her also you know how people are when they get yelled at you know they kind of mouse down a little bit because they're a little beat yeah. up and they're a little turned in but she's not be hostile she's not storming off she doesn't have the option so she's kind of at everybody's mm-hmm. mercy she even i love that part where she's just like dar can i have some water and i'm just like yeah. like 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 a little kid walking to their parents room in the night it's like can i have a glass of water <laughs> i'm thirsty mm-hmm it's just like, a yeah. very, it's a very innocent, harmless side of her. And she is kind of everyone else's mercy. She can't see. She can't yeah. you know, earth bend. bend. She's really <laughs> helpless. And it's just, it's yeah. sad to see her in that state. But it's just kind of nice to see that part of her that, you know, has to ask for help. Like she learned from Ilo. Yeah, no,
1: both of, yeah, both of these episodes actually have her in a position where she has to either ask for help or be saved, which is kind of nice to see from someone that's so self-reliant. And so, you know, like stuck in the, oh, I carry my own weight or, you know, I can take care of myself. Like, no, sometimes you need help and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So <laughs> since we're talking about that one little moment with the water, Oh my god! I get—I don't know why, but I literally flinch every time the guitar bends out the water from the pouch, and Momo goes through it. Oh, I know. And I'm like, Momo! I literally every time I—I I always forget. Oh yeah, bending duh. she can just like <laughs> pull it from the sand, but like. I feel like if you're in the desert, it might evaporate very quickly. We so are, it's like we
0: are all Sokka in that moment where it's like, Momo, you oh killed, killed us. You killed us.
1: Literally. That is my exact reaction every time. <laughs> um so since we're talking about it, like Sokka, my guy, my dude, they <laughs> had a bad trip. It
0: is it's oh an amazing. God. The entire thing was so great. I I knew we were I knew we were in for it from that very first scene where he's like it's the quenchiest. And I'm like, <laughs> I need a t-shirt that just has him with the noodle arms in front of the giant, like, exploding mushroom.
1: <laughs> mushy, mushy print.
0: It, and I wanted, I wanted to say, cactus juice, it's the quenchiest.
1: It'll quench Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. <laughs> yes. There are shirts like that, I promise. Oh
0: my gosh, I'm buying one. after the Link me yeah. one after this episode, and uh, I'm buying it. Uh, and then, the, just that last... <laughs> who set Toph on fire? <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> she just, like, staring at him, like, what? <laughs> and then the, uh, how did we get here out in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> Literally.
0: The oh, my God. circle
1: like, <laughs> Take it easy, little lady. I'm sure the sand vendors that built this baby knew what they're doing. <laughs> like... <laughs> every single line and when you think he's gotten off the cactus juice and it turns out no he hasn't I, I just like, <laughs> that like moment where she, she the almost shitting. breaks
0: the fourth wall for a second where she's like you've been high on cactus juice this entire time and you just lick a cave wall
1: <laughs> right and honestly i feel that because i put a lot of things in my mouth that i probably shouldn't because i have that like five-year-old mentality of if i can like taste something or like smell something i probably shouldn't but like I feel I need to anyway Um, so so I feel that (laughs) so
0: instead of walking through the store and like touching everything you're just like licking shirts and you're like aha this is the one
1: literally I will I'm a very sensory (laughs) person so like I use all my senses just like a toddler does like when I'm do
0: you chew your pens and pencils
1: oh of course like (laughs) My parents could tell you, like, of the millions of pens that had, like, broken tips because I would either chew or break them off because I was fiddling with them.
0: <laughs> uh, no shaming <laughs> so, yeah. either because I'm 100% the same way. I have, like, four packs of gum right underneath the, the desk of whatever you call it where, like, it's got multiple levels. And there's a whole bunch of, like, gum mm-hmm. in there. I used to chew toothpicks when I, back when I was in college. Uh, I All of my <laughs> old pencils from school had bite marks all up and down the thing. So, yeah, same.
1: Yeah, we feel it. Um, (laughs) um, So we haven't really touched on, so that's most of the desert stuff. We haven't really touched, though, on Zuko and Iroh and their little mini story with introducing the Order of the White Lotus. Because, like I said, it it will become very important later. Um, I like just how frustrated and annoyed Zuko is because he doesn't know what's going on.
0: Oh yeah, the whole thing is awesome. I mean, the whole the whole like as he says, uh, what what is what does he call it? What does Iroh say? Where he says like my nephew like doesn't understand, and he uses some term for it, <laughs> and I can't remember it. But I just love where they like go into the room where there's the pass the password to get in, and he's just mm-hmm. like it's for members only. You have to wait outside. <laughs> yeah. And I love where Zuko's just staying there, and he's like huffs, and then he like stops and just smells the flower.
1: Smells the flowers. <laughs> my boy. Yeah soft boy <laughs> yeah. and then when they um, pop
0: back out he's like karate pose
1: <laughs> yes oh yes um i do love it and i love that they implement like i i'm sure you've noticed but pie show the game that they yeah. play is has popped up multiple times throughout the series um there's a whole episode the water bending scroll where that's the side plot is like he wants to get a pie show tile yes and that is the tile that he got was the white lotus tile. Yes, I remember. So remembered. it yeah, I'm telling you, rewatching the episodes, you get very much rewarded if you rewatch the series after the initial because you'll be like, "Oh my god, they set up so much so early that you didn't even realize." <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just I like that. Um, I always love this is <laughs> I've actually used this trope in one of my scripts. Um, but I love when you're in a CD bar, <laughs> any CD bar, because I just love the idea of CD bars. And there's, you know, like a wanted criminal that's trying to hide, and there's somebody trying to help them, but they help them by exposing them. Yes. And trying to get a, a fight to break out, like a riot, so that they can escape. I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's such a cliche, but it's one of those cliches that I absolutely love. The old classic. Just, yes. Um, And I love that like, because at first I thought it was going to be that they were betrayed. Like when I first watched this episode, I thought that, oh man, they're screwed. Like this guy sold him out. Like, but then it was like obviously quickly revealed that no, he actually had a plan like that he was helping them out. Um, so I I love that kind of stuff. Anytime that there's a a bar fight, (laughs) I mean, it was in my freaking hell out of Dodge script. So, um, (laughs) yeah i'm all for that
0: yeah it was good yeah uh, i felt like the zuko Iroh stuff in hindsight felt shorter than it like actually was because as we're talking about it i'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah there was a lot there where they like they encounter the rough rhinos at the start and then they go to the bar and then the guys are after them and then they go to the white lotus and they wait you know and then the mm-hmm. hunters come after them later and of course they sneak out in like the flower pots So very cool, but I feel like because it was such a nice streamline and all the heavy drama was, was elsewhere, it was good. And it was, it was really, really good. It's just, I almost kind of forgot just how much there was to it looking back (laughs) yeah, because it was just kind of interspersed, uh, intermittently, but no, the whole episode is really, really solid. Um, the humor is great. The drama is out of this world. Um, again, anything that brings Aang into that, that place where we become aware of just you know they throw around a lot especially in the second season where they're like but he's the avatar but then we have to remember what being the avatar really really means right. and the immense gravity of immense. just who he is
1: right so, yeah so, so what would you rank this episode
0: hmm well you know it's tough but i actually think i'm going to agree with the um with the imdb rating and give this one a, a respectable 8.7 out of 10 like in all points really really good we get some Zuko and Iroh it's a bunch of everything we have some great uh Aang and Katara moments Sokka's hilarious and just the whole episode is great the pacing is wonderful there's action yeah it's, it's perfect it, you know just just a perfect the perfect picture of when you told me how great season two was but like just your common <laughs> episode is ranking so high so yeah
1: right um I think I'm actually going to go a little lower. I'm going to go 8.5. I would go eight, but the, but the final moment, the phone, the final minute of the episode to me is so strong. It's literally half a point right there. Um, (laughs) Because I think that the whole episode kind of hinges on that moment. So if you didn't have it, it wouldn't be nearly as strong because obviously all of this story has to come to a head at some point. Right. Um, So, and I love that we got so much uh, uncle Iroh and Zuko, even though it's, very light you know it's not like super plot heavy but
0: it's a good swing back because we've had really heavy zuko Iro stuff a lot this oh season. yeah
1: yeah i like seeing them in more comedic situations um so <laughs> and obviously the comedy with Sokka's is great i love all the drama with Aang and his you know obvious mood swings in this episode and katara <laughs> really taking the lead Great. Right? um it's just this isn't one that i would like this isn't one that I often rewatch. Um, you know, there are certain episodes, as I've said before, that I will just watch. Even if I'm not doing a rewatch of the series, I'll just watch the individual episodes because they're so good. Right. This is not one of those. I always watch it when I'm doing a rewatch, but it's not one that I'm like, oh, I want to watch the desert episode. Like you <laughs> like I would say with the blue spirit or something like that. Um so it's very strong but i'm gonna give it an 8.5 out of 10.
0: one last comment about about the episode and the ratings for it though um is that i can totally see now looking back why they would package this together as the one hour movie special because i mean while i didn't give this episode the highest ranking i've ever given it's still pretty high up there i've given i have ranked episodes you know sixes and even fives i believe before a lot of them fall in the seven range so eight and close to nine is still very high and considering the episode mm-hmm. right before this is like my favorite of the entire series so far i would totally watch the two of these together as a one hour special like any time i mean i went back and watched the library oh, yeah. like twice so
1: <laughs> nice
0: Um love that. Yeah, so this takes us then to the next one, episode 12, The Serpents Pass. Mm -hmm. Now, real quick, this one's a little weird because as you kind of told me about, uh Netflix for some reason has this package together as if it's part one of like a two-parter, and it's the to this and episode Mm -hmm. 13 are just together. Like, yeah, it's not even on like 13 doesn't even exist in the episode list. The next one, which is actually (laughs) episode 14 is 13 in Netflix. So I was so confused to start this and see like 45 minutes of episode ahead of me. So I just stopped at the natural (laughs) stop the way it would have been on Nick
1: yeah and that's actually one of the fun facts so we will get to that but
0: I <laughs> uh, didn't mean to jump the gun on that i just wanted to acknowledge yeah, how good. it threw me off so bad thank you for warning me i would have sat down and been like you're good. what why is this 45 minutes long right uh the episode is written by joshua hamilton and michael dante dimartino and it is directed mm-hmm. by ethan Spalding. And I was really thrown off because I I, I love this episode uh, a lot actually. Um, mm-hmm. When it started, I was like, well What's this going to be about?" Okay, and, and then it you know it had a lot of really really good story points uh, along the way, mm-hmm. and so it didn't surprise me by the time I hit the end. I was like, "Ah, D'Martino's <laughs> in love. On this one, okay." Yep. <laughs> uh it's animated by jm animation the episode aired september fifteenth, two 2006 and the imdb rating of the serpent's pass is 8.3 out of 10. okay now you can do the fun facts
1: <laughs> yeah okay um for our first fun fact we have this episode, this is exactly what you were just talking about, this episode, along with episode 13, The Drill, were shown back-to-back and initially advertised as the Avatar movie special, The Secret of the Fire Nation. That is such a terrible title. I'm sorry. It's
0: bad. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like, that is the most basic title I've ever heard. And it doesn't even really, like, I know what... This episode in the drill, what happened? So I'm like, what secret? Like, that they're trying to invade Bossing say? Like, that's not a secret.
0: <laughs> I mean, we all scared. know that the real name of the episode should have been the Fire Lord's Drill.
1: <laughs> yeah. Big giant dildo. <laughs> the Fire Nation metal dildo. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Like, I'm even thinking, like, instead of secret, like why not invasion of the Fire Nation? Like it wouldn't be much better, but at least it would fit with what's happening. Like, <laughs> I don't know, it's, you're still laughing about that.
0: <laughs> I'm so clever.
1: Oh yeah, so, so funny. Um, so yeah, I and this is weird because like I didn't even realize cause maybe I just didn't see this, this special when it premiered um, because every time I've seen these episodes, They've been separate. Like, they have never been packaged as a two-parter. So, like, so, when you first watched I, the
0: series, you never saw the movie special?
1: No. So, I must have missed the premiere of these two episodes because, yeah, they every time I watched them after on Nick, they were always separate. Huh. Um, so, I don't know. That was weird. When I watched it on Netflix, I was like, wait a minute. there's Are we missing an episode? But, no, they're just packaged as one. Hmm. Um, so, for our second fun fact... The husband and pregnant wife that team avatar travel with are the same couple that zuko considered robbing at the beginning of zuko alone but decided not to when he saw that the wife was pregnant
0: i i I I wondered i (laughs) we can't even have side nameless side characters that appear without them (laughs) coming back back. later well you know i'll i'll say more about that a little bit
1: so like i said i've said it since the very beginning everything comes back (laughs) um So for our third fun fact, um, the words abandon hope are carved into the entrance of the Serpent's Pass. This is a reference to Dante's Inferno in which the words abandon all hope ye who enter here are carved into the gates of hell. Did you ever have to read Dante's? I I
0: actually did. I actually did long ago and I got the reference on what was on the post immediately (laughs) and I was like, this is not going to be just a nice walk along the seaside, is it?
1: no um i never had to read dante's inferno so that i didn't catch that but i'm glad you did <laughs> um, so for our final fourth and final fun fact this is the first episode to air after the passing of mako the voice of uncle iroh so this is a very this is not a fun fact this is a very sad fact but, yeah um. we have
0: our own fun facts now to make sure i understand the way it's read though this is the first episode to air the aired after his passing but it's still yes. mako as the voice of uncle iroh it just
1: yes okay yeah so he unfortunately passed if i believe it was throat cancer yeah. um and he was able to complete all of his work for season two so everything you hear in season two of uncle iroh is him um yeah. but season three is actually not him it yes. is his protege, uh greg baldwin who i'm actually friends with on facebook he's a really cool guy um and he he does a really good impersonation mm-hmm. but it like it's not yeah. it's not macos or yeah. i'm sure i'm sure i'll we'll comment on it face. when
0: i'm sure i'll comment on it you know i'm more on his introduction when we get there um but yeah oh, yeah. yeah okay got that straight now because i was like he sure sounded like him in this episode to <laughs> make sure i understood oh, yeah, that, no, that right? fun fact
1: right <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, there's a lot in this episode. Um, as far as Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, okay, so let me jump back to the fact that you said, you know, oh yeah, that's that's the same couple from the other episode. Yeah, we have a lot of people coming back in this episode. Can you imagine my <laughs> shock when I saw Jet on the
1: <laughs> I know. I was so excited to see your reaction. <laughs>
0: but not as excited as I was to see Cabbage Man again. <laughs> yeah. And Suki again yeah i was literally i thought thought maybe fire lord ozai would just be on the boat too at that point just like everybody's on there it's a family reunion it's just a big trip down memory lane
1: ira's like ozai what are you doing here it's rough being (laughs) fire lord i need to take a vacation
0: so so i want to i want to kind of jump into this episode though not on on the notes of all of all the cameos because those are great Um, but I want to circle in, first of all, to kind of continue our discussion from the last episode about, you know, the emotional impact with, with Katara and, and Aang, because it takes a very different shift in this episode. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump right to the lesson learned, I think is the best way to describe it. What I really appreciate, and I appreciate this as a man, is that we see a great lesson that's expressed about being a man to young boys who are watching the show and of course there's are the titular character and he's a 12 year old kid which is that <clears throat> boys men and gentlemen we understand that a lot of times your emotions have two modes bottle up everything like ang in, in the second episode here where he's just i choose to feel nothing and i'm just going to internalize all my feelings because my feelings scare people and there is i don't know if you've you're familiar with this term but you're familiar with the term pandora's box in the issue that i'm talking mm-hmm. about and so the issue is that all of your feelings get stuffed inside and when you do and it's compartmentalization this isn't something only men do but like this is a thing about male behavior that's toxic and bad and unfortunately men are reinforced by all kinds of things to continue doing this it's a generational thing and then when when somebody finally somebody who you trust it goes you know what are you feeling or what's wrong or what's going on and you do open it up what you are there asking about and a hundred other things that have been bottled up for a really long time all come out and it's either overwhelming or just the way you choose to express it because it's been bottled up for so long it's so explosively frustrating and angry and sometimes it's expressing maybe your disappointment with yourself or your disappointment in other people and sometimes it's shocking it's like seeing another side of you it's like opening pandora's box And it can scare people away who aren't ready for it. It can intimidate them. It can even distance you from the person who you trusted and hurt that relationship. And it's hard. It's hard as a man and for anybody who compartmentalizes to know how much to let out in those moments. And so it's very easy to go between the Fury of Aang where your feelings are just out there and exploding and you're you're not apologizing for how you feel and all you're doing is hurting and alienating people because you don't know how to handle the feelings or you choose to bottle them all up inside like Aang chooses to do in this episode and so Katara explaining to him that you know there is a way to deal with them in a healthy good way to express them in in a way where you're not just blowing it all like, like a fire hose but also not shutting it off completely there's a middle ground and the episode does a wonderful job at expressing that
1: yeah and it you know there's such a pendulum swing from how he was in the previous episode to now and i love that they like just take an entire scene to have katara talk to him about it and you know you were so angry in the desert and now you're not feeling anything like that's not good. Yep. And just like how you said, you know, it's really important to, you know, regulate your emotions and talk about your feelings and all that um in a healthy way. And, you know, I, I love the ending of this episode because we finally get that kind of cathartic moment um where Aang is able to do just that. And um and we'll talk about that in a bit because I, I actually have a lot to say about the ending. But um yeah it's it's very strong lesson to not you know not close yourself off from feeling your emotions and also not let your emotions rule you and control you right you know there is a a middle ground um so yeah it's a very good lesson
0: (laughs) yeah it's really really good the the episode has um really it really the episode really takes its time in putting these really big character moments in there um The reunion with Suki I knew was going to lead up to some big stuff.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But what I got to tell you was. I wasn't ready for that (laughs) moment. They're under the moon. Mm -hmm. And she starts talking to him and she's like talking about how she met this great guy, but he had to go away. She didn't lose him. And She's like, Oh, it's you, dummy. It's you're the one I'm talking about. I love that moment, by the way, where Saka's like, Who is this guy? Is he mm-hmm. taller than me? <laughs>
1: right. superiority complex coming through. <laughs>
0: right. And so then they have this tender moment. And oh my gosh, when he stops before they kiss and pulls back and they don't kiss, and between them is the moon, I just mm-hmm. like, 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 i uh, my brain fell into my stomach like i was just i mm-hmm. had that moment where you're like in re- that moment where you're reading a book and like the, the the two people in the romance like have that same kind of moment where like they miss and that moment doesn't happen for them and you just take the book and throw it across the room because you're just like
1: are you finding the tension
0: I couldn't. I couldn't take it. I love that stuff because, like, but like it hurts too because you're like, no, it's in front of the moon too. I just noticed it. Oh, she's watching them. They can't do it,
1: right? Yeah, and I love that too. That visual storytelling. Like he never says that. That's why he can't, or like why he doesn't feel comfortable in this moment. You know, kissing her it's a or visual being visual cue. Hmm. And there's another visual cue at the beginning of that scene. I don't know if you noticed it, but when Sokka is sitting out there by himself, it's dark. Mm -hmm. And the second that Suki comes into the frame, the clouds pass over the moon and the light comes Mm -hmm. in. And I'm just like, yes, this is... It's almost like a blessing. Like, yes, it's okay, Sokka. You can move on. Like... Mm -hmm. And it's just so beautiful. (laughs)
0: And see, and that's like it's such a complex character beat for Sokka because, like you said, there's a light cast on them and you can see it as like, you know, she's shining a light on it. This is it. Look, I'm gonna illuminate the moment for you. She's here. Sokka, see her. I'm I'm (laughs) lighting up this moment for you. But for him, because internally he's still internalizing the loss and he's feeling you know guilt and sadness about it, that he is seeing it as clearly she wouldn't want me to do this because she's looking you know he feels right. this
1: and he he's not over it like clearly yep. um at least not in that moment yes. um you know because she is right there because yeah. the moon is full and it's beautiful and it's like you know glowing and making everything glow and it's just for him it's too too soon <laughs> you gotta wait until the um, day
0: when she's not looking
1: right um yeah no i absolutely love that and i love how mature they are about it because this could have so easily been like you know suki is angry at him or like he's you know just being really standoffish with her because he doesn't want to give her the wrong idea or like you know this is often in romantic comedies the moment where like the breakup happens quote unquote Like they start to be angry or petty with each other because, oh, the moment was ruined. Like it was perfectly right there. And miscommunication,
0: unvoiced hurt. Yeah.
1: They are very mature about it. And like Sokka just apologizes and she's just like, I understand. It's okay. Like, and they move on. They don't dwell on that moment or anything. And when they do bring it up at the end, it's resolved with a kiss. And like, you're like, finally, yes. Yep. (laughs) The
0: payoff is there.
1: Right, so I I love their relationship so much. It's honestly one of my favorite. Me too. Like it's very understated. It's not the main relationship for sure. Yeah but to me it's the best relationship
0: in the oh, show well there's a lot of payoff in it you know for me even just the first time viewer, because you may remember from the uh, siege of the north episodes and when we talked about the romance tri- triangle that we were kind of wish wasn't a triangle and we talked about the relationship there mm-hmm. that i was like it's puppy love but like i kind of like suki better and yep. and we, i was like <laughs> she's more his actual match and right. you were like oh don't worry about that he 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 knowing everything <laughs> that comes ahead and i was like oh. right so yeah. yeah
1: no and like i i think i said it in the in that episode of the podcast that you know UA is Sokka's first love but suki is his true love yes. like that is who he ends up with that is end game. Um, that's why it's so hard for him to move on from ua because it is hard to move on from a first love it always is um especially if they die tragically like um but so it makes sense that he would be a bit hung up on her um but i'm glad that it's not something that's like too heavy it's not it's not something that drags the story down or anything it's just it's a very real emotional response to a tragedy and you know he he doesn't get over it but you know he is able to come to terms with it and move on from it which is good
0: this episode i gotta tell you i feel like this episode i feel like they're manipulating me while i was watching it because when they started i was like okay well looks like jet's back from one of my all-time favorite episodes so just bringing him in i already like this episode hey cabbage man i haven't seen him in a while really funny that two of my favorite appearing characters would be in this episode oh hey look it's Suki reuniting with Sokka and I kind of had this like look behind me moment where I'm like who's watching me and taking note of what I like and I had to remember these episodes were made like you know Eight, 16 years ago and so yeah <laughs> he had to kind of pinch myself and remember it's like they're not they're not trying intentionally to pack your favorite things in they're like it's like that moment right. where they're like todd are you still watching like netflix is like the writer's like todd okay. do you, do you still have all your favorite things in the show that are coming back
1: don't you worry <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes yes wholesome lessons love love stories coming back favorite characters plus another big thing like i feel like they're cramming all these like big heartfelt messages in the episode too like here's healthy conflict resolution for couples and like here's things about healing from from past love and Here's how to process your emotion people who Compartmentalize between one extreme and another and and oh while we're at it Let's make a comment about second chances for everybody Sokka gets his second chance at love. Aang gets his second chance even after having you know, possibly damaged relationships with his friends. Zuko gets a second chance. Jet gets a second chance. You get a car. You get a car. Everybody gets a car.
1: Literally. And don't forget the <laughs> that you get to be Robin Hood. <laughs> I love the team up of Zet of Zet. That's their ship name. <laughs> Jet and Zuko. <laughs> oh man. Juko. Juke. Is it Zet, Zet or Juko? I think Zet sounds cooler. <laughs> Zet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually really like the two of them together because they're very similar, but yet very different at the same time. And I think that they like bounce off each other really well.
0: <laughs> I like that moment where where Jet comes over in a very Zet moment. By the way, Zet Zet shippers. Right. If there wasn't no a Zet, I have your slogan. Ready, Zet go uh but but if that moment, but i love that moment where he's like from the moment i saw your scar i knew instantly who you were and zuko's just like ready to burn this man to ash he's like okay and he's like, like and he's like, well, he's like you're an outcast like me or, or whatever. yeah yeah exactly yeah and
1: he's like oh fuck <laughs> like, he just like exhaled so big just um, like
0: step three that... steps to being a successful outcast either either you'll know, have, have a moody pass and a good cover story put grass in your mouth have a scar if you've got one
1: and cool hair
0: cool hair yeah <laughs> yeah never brush it
1: <laughs> right um yeah no i i love that i don't know i just really love seeing zuko and Iro as like refugees and as like on the run from the fire nation because for the first season we're so used to seeing them and like you know fire nation garb and on battleships and you know fighting at the north pole and trying to track down the avatar it's kind of nice to see get get a bit of a break from that and just really see them interacting with normal people right. like everyday people that they wouldn't have otherwise interacted with um and you know whether it's uh jet and his gang or these refugees that they're on this boat with or we see a lot more of that as the season goes on, like when they actually do get to bossing say, um, and they're,
0: and they're not, and they're not annoying regular everyday people. They're not swamp folk and they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're nice people. They may not sing like the, like the cool traveling musical nomads.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, no, but I, I really do like that. And, I really like the action in this episode too. Um, The big fight with the, with the serpent, the serpent from the serpent's pass, I think is really cool. It's a great demonstration of Aang and Katara working together. Um, And, you know, just seeing it. I really love seeing Katara take charge just in general, which she does a lot. Um, But, you know, seeing her making this bridge when they can't get across uh, the pass of ice and, you know, just trying to get people across and, then getting into the water herself and fighting off this beast with Aang, like and tough basically <laughs> deciding that she doesn't want to go on this ice bridge because she can't see anything and just the when she gets because the bridge breaks of course when she's walking across it it was a bad idea
0: to begin with let's just be honest
1: <laughs> Yeah, somebody should have like gone back to get her out um, <laughs> yeah. but somebody does go back to get her when she's drowning because she can't swim and it's not Sokka who was trying <laughs> to get in there. It's Suki. And Oh, Sokka, actually, thank you for
0: rescuing me, Smooch.
1: <laughs> you saved me. Yeah, this actually was the birth. That scene was the birth of the Taka ship, which I shit you not is one of the most popular. You'll notice it from now on. You won't not see it. Uh-huh. But there is a big hint that, I mean, it's not even a hint. Like, it's confirmed that Toph has a huge crush on Sokka. It yeah. wouldn't? Um, and they show that from here on out throughout the entire rest of the show. Um, and so this was kind of the birth of that. Because, like, it's it's just a great moment. And I love that Suki's so flustered. and It's just, it's just me. Um, oh,
0: she's, I lo- and she's so embarrassed about it like, between the fact that she let that moment that was meant for Sokka slip, but also that she kissed Suki instead, yeah. and she's just like, okay, you can let me back in the water I and drown now. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's like, so much happens in the episode and then the ending. The ending, again, nothing makes me cry harder or faster than seeing Aang cry. I know. And his reaction to the baby being born and just all this pent-up not anger but sadness now just flowing out of him and him just feeling so relieved of it is amazing and then him talking to Katara when you know he's just like I've been going through a lot recently but yeah. you know seeing this family so happy it's just reminded me of how I feel about Appa and how I feel about you and this is like really the first time he's like just come out and said how he feels about Katara and she just cries and hugs him and I'm just like oh my god I can't it's so sweet and well that. and
0: i love that the grounding point for him is the birth of the baby and it, i feel like it really yeah. brings him back to the root of who he is that this is what it's about it's about protecting innocent life that's what the being the avatar really is at its root because you know, all the problems and the conflicts of it is that it's a big burden on him. It's, can he complete this in time? It's deadlines. It's all the things that stress us out in everyday life. What am I supposed to be doing? Who am I? Can I do this all according to schedule? What do people think of me? Can I meet everyone's expectations? And then all of a sudden something as simple as a newborn baby. And we're like, I can set all that aside. This is what it's about. Moments like this, Mm -hmm. sharing those kinds of moments with everybody you care about, because that's how he shares it with all of his closest friends right there with him
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a really really strong ending to the episode um so overall what would you rank this episode
0: Mm, I would give it I I would give it a solid eight give it a solid eight
1: interesting see because for me I like this one better than the desert and I already like the desert but like this is a solid probably nine out of 10 for me. Honestly, I really, yeah, I really like this episode. Um, I think it has great character moments. um, Lots of great action. The return of several of my favorite, uh, you know, side characters Mm -hmm. um, just, it's got so much that I really love. This is one that I would go and just watch by itself because I find it so entertaining and so much happens. And, you know, obviously it leads into the next episode, the drill. And so um which is also a great episode (laughs) um but uh, i'm getting ahead of apparently
0: (laughs) the second half of the movie the secret of the fire nation
1: (laughs) right oh goodness but yeah no so overall i'd give it a nine out of ten i I really love this episode
0: yeah and then next episode we'll get to see the fire lord's giant drill (laughs) (laughs) And I can't wait for that. Don't make it weird.
1: (laughs) Don't make it weird.
0: It's already weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff.
0: You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood
1: and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.